Hello and welcome to Bible Truth Feed. Luke chapter 21 is probably one of the most well-known chapters in the Bible. It speaks of a time that was to come upon the nation of Israel as they were in occupation by the Romans. And it also, many Christians believe, has a future application, speaking directly of our time, the end times, if you like. The time just before the Lord Jesus Christ returns from heaven to set up God's kingdom on earth. Now, he gave these warnings while he was on the Mount of Olives, and they were recorded actually in Matthew, Mark and Luke. The Lord's message was not only applicable to them in their day, but also our time and in our generation. It's a plea for us to take heed to the Lord Jesus Christ's words. And this particular podcast was recorded in Enfield Ecclesia in Australia. And it goes into some detail. It's about 50 minutes long. Um, It goes into some detail about what we can possibly expect to be the situation when the Lord does return from heaven. So it's a very important passage for many Christians worldwide. And Christadelphians in particular um, love to examine the scriptures and search the scriptures to see whether these things be so. Very much in tune with the Berean brethren and sisters that studied the word daily. And so if you've got any comments or questions or you simply disagree that you do not think that Luke 21 has a future application please get in touch leave us a message we'd love to hear from you you can also leave us a voice message as well so i hope you enjoy the podcast um, god bless and goodbye the signs of our times so firstly what do we mean by uh, that title the signs of our times uh, and in what context are we, uh, are we using that, um, that phrase? Well, I'll start with the answer to the second question first, as, uh, as you'd expect. So we're speaking really in the context of the Bible's teaching with regards to God's purpose being fulfilled. Now, very quickly, in summary, the purpose of God is to fill the earth with people who are like him in character and in nature. That's God's ultimate purpose for the earth. And if we were to expand on that just a little bit further, we would bring in uh, here then uh, something that you'd be well familiar with, no doubt, the, the term gospel. Because the gospel is, is really, the, the purpose of God is wrapped up in the gospel. Now, the gospel is really two main things. Firstly, God plans to establish uh, a kingdom on the earth. And it's a kingdom that will last forever, is what the Bible teaches us. In other words, we could refer to it as the kingdom of God on the earth. Okay, that's the future for this world. There's a second part to it, though, and that is to remove the problem that we have with sin and death from the earth and to reconcile. That means to bring back together all those who submit to God's will now uh, and try to, through our lives now, try to be at one in our mind, in the way we think and in our purpose so that we're aligned with God's purpose. 
Now, having done this, God will also, in the future, convey immortal life upon those who, uh, who have chosen to follow him. Now, he's made this way, this reconciliation, possible through the work that's been performed by the Lord Jesus Christ, through a perfect life, his voluntary submission to death on the cross, and God's subsequent resurrection of Jesus as our representative and as the first of many who will be citizens of his kingdom upon the earth. So that's a very quick, if you like, a summary of the gospel and ultimately God's purpose with the earth, what he plans to do. That's the, the reason for our existence and this creation on the earth. Okay, the first question then, signs. What are signs? Now, if I asked anyone in the, the front rows down here what a sign is, what would you say? You'd smile at me, I can see that. Can anyone point out a sign? Maybe at the back of the hall, above the door, there's one there for exit. Okay, so a sign has a purpose, of course. You don't just put a sign up just for the sake of it. You put a sign up for a reason. There's a purpose behind the sign. And I put it to you that the main purpose of a sign is to communicate something, a message of some sort. It's conveying information, uh, and the information is designed for people to be able to read the sign and then make a decision based on that. Now, I can look at the exit sign at the back there and think, well, it doesn't mean anything to me right now because we've got a lecture to go through. But at the end of the lecture, it's pointing me in the right direction, and I can use that information to direct me out of the hall. So, very clearly, a sign is about communicating uh, information to people. So, signs provide directions. We've got plenty of those. Stop signs, give way signs, turn right signs, turn left signs, all those sorts of things. They provide directions. Signs also provide information for us to make decisions by. And signs provide supporting evidence for intended outcomes or conclusions. So in tonight's chapter that we've read, uh, the signs that, that are provided for us, the signs of our times, are evidence really to us of the nearness of the return of Jesus Christ to the earth. Okay, our times though. The signs of our times. Um, for tonight's purposes, what we really mean by that is signs that have been happening and continue to happen in our times, relatively speaking, uh, since 1948, and, and a little bit later we'll see why. I've, I've taken that as a date right through to our present day. So these are our times. And as we'll see shortly, uh, 1948 really makes that starting point for, for what I mean by our times, based on the words of the Lord Jesus Christ here in Luke 21. Now, for the majority of tonight, we'll stay in Luke 21, but if you do have a marker, it might be worth just popping it into Matthew chapter 24, as we might turn back there from time to time, or you, you can flick back there from time to time, because Matthew 24... Um, as well as Mark chapter 13 and Luke 21, are all really a record of the same point in time in, in the work of Jesus Christ. Okay, so uh, they're the, the parallel records, as we would uh, call them. And the incident that we're looking at here is termed the Olivet Prophecy. 
Uh, a good reason for that is it's because Jesus made that prophecy while he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, which is just outside of Jerusalem. Okay, each of the chapters, uh, the Matthew 24, Mark 13 and Luke 21, provide really a very consistent cross-section of the details of what Jesus said within the prophecy. Uh, but each of the chapters may have some additional details in their own right that when we put it all together gives us a, a fuller picture of what it was that Jesus spoke about um, on the Mount of Olives on that day. And I'll give you an example of where some of these extra little details pop up. Um, in Luke 21 and verse 7, I'm going to turn back a page, uh, it says there, and they asked him saying, Master, but when shall these things be? And what sign will there be when these things shall come to pass? Okay, so Jesus, oh, the, the uh, disciples are asking that, of course, in reference to what Jesus had said in verse 6, would come to pass. Uh, and, and they're also asking, what sign would there be when these things were uh, about to happen? Now, Matthew adds to this in Matthew 24 and verse 3, uh, which, in fact... I have on the screen there. Uh, he says, And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming? And the bit in red is what Matthew has added here. And of the end of the world. Okay, so we can see, placing these together, we get a fuller picture of what the Lord Jesus Christ uh, said in the Olivet Prophecy. Okay, now just to pick up there on that little bit at the end and of the end of the world, the, the meaning, if we have a look at it, the, the Old Testament is written in Hebrew and the New Testament is in Greek. So within the Greek language, if we have a look into the meaning of, of the Greek, uh, we, could, we could translate this as the end of the age. So not the end of the world, the world... Uh, blows up or, or something like that, but really the end of a order of things, a, a time period, if you like, um, is what uh, Jesus is being asked here. So with that extra detail, what we find is that the disciples are asking uh, for a sign to indicate the Lord Jesus, uh, uh, that the Lord Jesus Christ um, is, is close, is approaching. Um, and in fact, Jesus provides two ages, two orders of things. Um, in his answer uh, to the disciples. Now, firstly, of course, those who he's speaking to in, in those days, around AD 32, 33, uh, we're talking about here, um, he, he provides them uh, an indication of the end of an age that, that's coming. Um, but then he also uh, provides one for us, particularly in many, many years later on. Okay, so the, the first of the two ages he refers to is really what uh, we would know as AD uh, 70, when under the hands of the Roman Empire, the nation of Israel was uprooted uh, and they were dispersed to uh, the four corners of the then known world. And that brought to end the age, okay, the age or the order of things of Jewish rule um, in Jerusalem and its religious order at that time, okay? So that age came to an end. In fact, Jesus said uh, that Jerusalem would be destroyed and the temple in Jerusalem, which 
as we started off here in, in uh, verse 5 of Luke 21, some were, were looking at that and thinking how wonderful it looked, a beautiful structure, look at all the, um, the, the beautiful things of that temple. Well, Jesus said a time was coming when not one stone of that temple would be left on top of another. So the disciples are asking, well, when's that going to be? When, when is that age of things coming to an end? And what's the sign of that? Okay, so for them, AD 70 was certainly a sign, and that was a sign of the nearness of Jesus Christ's return. You think, well, but Jesus, he still hasn't returned, and we're 2,000 plus years later. But for those of that time, their lives were coming towards an end. So for them, sure, to see the end of the Jewish age was a sign to them that truly Jesus Christ will come back to the earth. And the next waking moment for them in the, uh, the resurrection will be, of course, that the Lord Jesus Christ is in the earth again. So for them, it was a good sign at that point in time. Now, the second uh, age that the Lord Jesus Christ refers to um, is the times of the Gentiles being fulfilled. Now, that is in verse 24 of Luke 21 here. So we'll just quickly uh, read that. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Okay, so yes, the temple is going to be thrown down. But then as part of that, the Jews were then dispersed. They were, they were no longer a nation. That age came to an end. They were dispersed out um, amongst the nations of their day. Um, uh, and that would be for a, a great period of time. Now, both of these ages, if we group them together, present um, for both Jews and non-Jews. Non-Jews here are termed as Gentiles. So a Gentile is anyone who's not a Jew. Okay? Now, both of the ages uh, are grouped together to present for Jews and Gentiles the impact of the Lord Jesus Christ's prophecy on each, on Jews and Gentiles. Matthew and Mark don't record what Luke does here in verse 24 um, in, uh, of Luke 21. They write uh, more so to a Jewish audience, whereas Luke writes for the Gentiles as well. So we have an extra detail um, provided here. And verse 24 of Luke 21 really is that intersecting verse between the two ages, the two time periods. Uh, it's probably close to uh, 2,000 years of history that we have wrapped up in that one little verse. Okay. And it's clearly speaking, as we've seen there, of, of dispersing the Jews um, as captives into the world. So they're taken away from Israel, so ending the nationhood of Israel for quite a period of time. And Jerusalem would be trodden down of the Gentiles until the time. Did you notice that? Until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. So in summary... What Jesus is prophesying of here is that Jerusalem would be under the control of people who are not Jews for a long period of time. Okay? The Gentiles, they would control Jerusalem from that time when AD 70, the Jews were dispersed, no more nation of, of Israel at that point in time, no more control over Jerusalem. Well, that would be the case. It would be under Gentile control until the times of the Gentiles controlling uh, Jerusalem came to an end. And that happened uh, 
in the events of June 1967, when the Jews once again had control as a nation, they had control of Jerusalem um, uh, it, once again. So that brought to an end that period of the Gentiles or the times of the Gentiles. Now, if you open your history books, uh, if you do a Google search, you'll find that from AD 70, control over the city of Jerusalem was held by uh, the Romans or the, the Italians, of course, um, the Seleucids, the Saracens, and of course, there was a period of time towards the end there of, uh, of British control or occupation um, and control over Jerusalem. And, and of course, parts of uh, Palestine as it was known at that point in time. Now, importantly, the list of signs that Jesus provides would be applicable uh, in communicating to Jews, of course, and Gentiles that his return is guaranteed uh, and that he will eventually be revealed clearly and bodily to all people of the world as he shows us in Luke 21 and verse 27. Let's just quickly read that. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Just go to the next slide here. You can see that in Revelation 1 and verse 7, um, Jesus builds on that a little bit further. See here, behold, he cometh with clouds. So it's talking the same event, the Lord Jesus Christ returning to the earth and every eye shall see him and they also which pierced him. So every eye, we're talking more generally uh, throughout the globe, whether you're actually physically seeing him or hearing of him, everyone will know that the Lord Jesus Christ has returned to the earth. That's how clear it is when he comes. Uh, and also, they also which pierced him, which would be a reference to, of course, the Jewish nation. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. So this is another passage that supports the teaching of the revealing of Jesus Christ in the earth, again, to, uh, to Gentiles and to Jews. Now, along with the Lord Jesus Christ will be a large crowd of people, okay, who are termed here in this verse as clouds, with clouds, okay? Um, in verse uh, 27 of Luke 21, he says there, the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Okay, so we've got this idea of a cloud. Um, just to very quickly summarise what that is, it's really describing a, a, a great or crowd of people who through their lifetimes have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and have been witnesses, have preached the gospel, have told people about Jesus Christ and his teaching throughout their lifetimes. When the Lord Jesus Christ is revealed to the earth, he will come with that group of people, is what we're being told there. Okay, at the end of verse 26 in Luke 21, it shows us there that, that when the Lord Jesus Christ is revealed with power and great glory, uh, it's in the middle of a time where there's really political and, and religious rulers within the world that are absolutely being shaken to the core. In other words, they're in the middle of, of great turmoil. Uh, and in fact, 
Matthew provides a little more detail in chapter 24 of Matthew and verse 30, calling the appearing or the revealing of the Lord Jesus Christ to the world um, at large as being the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Now, as we've already highlighted, we're not talking about uh, the heavens as up in the sky, heavens, but rather Jesus Christ appearing as God's appointed ruler, replacing all of the kings and all of the governments that currently make up the heavens or the ruling structures within the earth as we know it today. Okay, well, what more does the Lord Jesus Christ reveal here? Well, have a look at verse 25. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. This is telling us about conditions in the earth when the Lord Jesus Christ is revealed. Okay. So if we break that down just a little bit, when we're talking in a biblical sense, we're talking about, sure, physical symbols, a sun, the moon, the stars. We look up in the heavens and we see those things, don't we? But really they're figures for rulers. Okay, so from the perspective of the sun, we're talking about political rulership, typically. From the moon, we're talking about religious leadership. And the stars, we're talking about principle people okay so uh you know whether that's heads of of business of commerce heads of uh, humanitarian organizations like the, the united nations um, and so on so people who hold positions of importance who would have some level of influence over many others and of course jesus said and upon earth distress of nations now when we're talking about the earth we're talking really about the common folk of the earth, okay? Those who are under the, the rule, if you like, of the leaders um, of our days, okay? So we'll refer to, the, uh, to those as the, the common folk of the earth. So what we're being told here is that all classes of people, whether it's the rulers um, or whether it's the common folk, uh, they're all in a state of, as the Bible uh, terms here, distress. Distress, okay. Now, the word distress that's used here, it has the sense of becoming more narrow. So when you think of it, when there's a myriad of problems, you're looking for solutions to those problems. What it's uh, suggesting here is that with more and more problems accumulating, there's less and less solutions to those problems. So the equation's going the wrong way. More problems... Uh, less solutions and so the idea is that there's there's a i guess coming in like into a funnel almost to a point of almost becoming trapped which jesus goes on to say uh, that the the problems are so great and uh, the distress uh, is so great it's characterized by what he calls here by perplexity okay there's perplexity here and perplexity actually means if i do this no way of escape. Ah, so we're being funneled in to a point where there are no solutions that the, the governments, the ruling powers of the earth have for the huge amount of problems within the earth. Okay, so this is the, uh, ultimately, 
the, the myriad of those complex problems uh, faced by the world at large today, um, you know, we can see they, they tend to become more and more insurmountable. Okay, now, now the Lord Jesus Christ here is showing, um, you know, for us, perhaps sitting here today, looking at, uh, you know, the elections coming up and, and thinking, well, you know, um, who's going to get in and, and what does that mean? What the Lord Jesus Christ is showing us is that faith in ruling classes to affect lasting and positive changes really is rapidly diminishing at this point in time where we expect him to return. And hope of a bright future uh, for the world is becoming very dull, really, amongst uh, the world's population. And so, as we've said, it's into this world that the Lord Jesus Christ will return um, with power and with the authority provided by Almighty God to restore the balance to the world and provide uh, that hope that the nations at that time will so desperately be looking for. And just to finish it off, he says, the sea and the waves roaring. Okay, so finishing off this picture. And again, it's a symbol, the sea and the waves. The, the Bible uses the symbols of the sea and the waves of the sea to describe uh, the, the nations of the earth and the peace or perhaps the lack thereof amongst the nations based on whether the sea is calm or whether it's stormy as it is here. Uh, there's a number of places we could go to, to uh, look at that as a symbol, uh, perhaps write down Isaiah 57 and verse 20, um, and that provides you with an example of how this symbol is used. Now, the picture that the uh, Lord Jesus Christ is painting here was, uh, with his prophetical words, of course, is a world uh, that's in turmoil everywhere, absolutely everywhere. Okay, so the signs of our times is about the Lord Jesus Christ communicating to his disciples then and to us sitting here in the hall tonight reading uh, his prophecy many years later, the indicators of his imminent return uh, back to the earth. And the things that show us that the sign of the Son of Man is about to be uh, witnessed to um, in this earth with his return are, uh, is absolutely imminent. So, what are the list of signs that the Lord Jesus Christ presents here? Well, uh, in verse 8 of Luke 21, he makes a start here and he talks about, uh, take heed that ye be not deceived, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and the time draweth near, go ye not therefore after them. Uh, Matthew uh, speaks of these as being false Christs. So what we're talking about here is, of course, false Christ. It's an apostasy, and as we see from the verse um, here, of many, it, uh, you know, from the true teachings of Jesus Christ. It's, it's really the subject, perhaps, of other lectures or, or other conversations uh, to cover this particular topic. Uh, but to just... Uh, I guess solidify this just a little bit. Um, what he's talking about here really is what we've seen through mainstream Christianity, uh, a falling away from the truth of Jesus's teachings. Um, and of course, we've seen that and we've seen the, the sort of atrocities that have come as a, as a result of that, um, where people, uh, against people who have tried to stand up for the true 
teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ over the centuries. And if you uh, have time to, to look at it, have a look at uh, the book of Daniel and, of course, in Revelation. These are two books that really reveal the characteristics of the system that has corrupted the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ and have deceived many uh, into believing in lies. So it's a sign that we've seen a lot of in terms of its fulfilment, but it still continues to be fulfilled even today. Okay, verses 12 through to 19 uh, depict really a, a situation or, or events that would happen to true believers. They would be persecuted, Jesus says, and killed in some cases for the sake of standing up for their belief in the true teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. And to a great extent, a lot of this we see uh, as being fulfilled. But even amongst um, our world today, we're still seeing examples of people who have died because they've stood up for their, their belief in the true teachings of Jesus Christ. Then in verse 10 of Luke 21, uh, in Matthew, it's uh, 24 and verse 7, it's, uh, Jesus speaks here of, of a, a series of things, really. He talks about nations uh, rising up and, and going to war with other nations. He said there would be wars, and Matthew adds, and rumours of wars. Um, not only that, there would be famines, there's earthquakes, there's pestilences. Uh, and pestilence, in this um, particular sense, is talking about epidemics or pandemics, something that we're fairly uh, well familiar with sitting here in the hall tonight. But what Matthew adds is just a little bit of extra detail. He says all these, this list of things, these are the beginning of sorrows. Okay, so what he's doing here, Matthew is doing, is alluding to uh, the picture of the birth pains, the, the labour pains that come um, and, and that go on and on. They draw closer and closer together and they increase in intensity until at last the birth of the child approaches um, and occurs. And if you think about it, it's an excellent illustration because as the return of Jesus Christ approaches, so these things, the wars, the rumours of wars, the earthquakes, the famines, the pestilences would become more and more frequent uh, and less and less time would... would uh, uh, would elapse in between these events occurring. Okay, so, you know, it, as evidence of the return, the closeness of the return of Jesus Christ, we would expect then to see these things happening more and more and more um, with less time in between those events. Well, let's just have a look at a few of, uh, of these symbols he's used here. Wars and rumours of wars. You know, since 1948, when Israel was declared a nation, once again, uh, there's been an escalation in the number of national, uh, so wars between nations, and civil wars, so wars within uh, nations. Now, war has really been a reality of, of human existence for millennia, for a long time. But as we approach much closer to the return of Jesus Christ, there has been an upswing in the number of wars and the talk uh, around uh, war. On the screen, I won't go through them all. You can, you can see them there. You can take a picture or I'm happy to give you the slides later. Um, it, it's really just a list of significant wars since 1948. 
And you can see there, there's, there's quite a long list of wars. You know, we talk about the Vietnam War, you know, through to the, the Gulf War of 1991, uh, through to the war in, in Kosovo. We've seen the annexation of Crimea. Um, of course, we've seen the Afghanistan war um, that's gone from 2001 uh, and only just really uh, came to its conclusion a few months ago. And of course, there's the ongoing conflict that we've seen in Syria. So it's really just a list of wars of some significance that have involved multiple nations um, in the effort of those wars. And there's many, many other wars and conflicts between nations and within nations that have been and continue to be waged as we sit here in the hall tonight. So there's no doubt um, to the increasing number and, and the intensity of these wars, particularly as, as those weapon, uh, weapons used become more powerful and so on, um, though, those numbers of wars and intensities have increased, um, really, as we've seen it from 1948. There's rumours of wars. Of course, this was just a quick... Uh, this one here, sorry, one back. This was just a quick uh, Google search of uh, looking for war. Um, and we can see, you know, just in the last few days, a number of those articles talking about the events happening with Taiwan and the, the unrest there, um, the, uh, the strain in relations between the West um, and, and China in that case. But it's not the only example. There's many examples of where rumours of wars are occurring even in the earth today. Well, if we focus just on the nation of Israel, the, the people um, who uh, are termed as the people of God in the Bible, since 1948, there's been a long list of wars and skirmishes um, there. So again, uh, and, and I'm not going to read through them all, but just to point out a few, the Six Day War, of course, a very famous war because of the, its speed um, and, and uh, you know, the well, the, really the miracle of the, the outcome of that with Israel um, being delivered from a, well, you know, impossible odds. Uh, Yom Kippur War there in 1973. And then, of course, every other day we're hearing about rocket fire into, you know, Israel from Gaza and then Israel retaliating or Lebanon or wherever it may be. So we can see that over... Um, you know, Israel's short history really as, as being gathered together and made a nation in the earth again, um, there's been a, a very long and, and really um, large list of wars that have occurred um, in a short period of time. So from a Jewish and really a non-Jewish perspective, the world at large has been racked with wars and rumours of wars, uh, and has been, which have been increasing. Um, they're, they're more regular, they're ramped up in their intensity and that's, uh, we've seen that across the last 73 years since the end of World War uh, II. Okay, earthquakes. Earthquakes, uh, and we could uh, speak of earthquakes in the sense that the Bible often can use it as a symbol of, of political upheaval. Um, there are examples of that, but if we're talking just really of the natural earthquakes that we're seeing um, around the world, actual earthquakes are increasing. Um, so I found some data that was compiled by the US uh, government's National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. Uh, and that shows that the number of earthquakes per year um, 
has significant variation, but if you look at the overall trend of earthquakes, the number of earthquakes per year um, is increasing. Another article suggested that earthquakes are, are being noticed more, um, perhaps in more recent times, because they're occurring in more populated areas, so heavily populated areas. And of course, the, the destruction and the devastation that um, comes with that is more noticeable. So for the world at large, earthquakes seem to be happening more frequently and certainly more intense um, in, the, in their, uh, their impact. Famines. So he talks about famines also. Well, if I just throw uh, that up onto the screen there uh, about famines, there's a report only from March, uh, sorry, May of this year, May 16th. Uh, this is from the United Nations organisations, uh, including the Food and Agricultural Organisation and the World Food Programme. Now, they said at least 155 million people a lot of people, faced acute hunger in the year 2020, including 133,000 of those who needed urgent food to prevent widespread death from starvation. And that was a 20 million increase from 2019, just the year before. Acute hunger is increasing not only in scale, but also severity, the FAO and WFP said in Friday's report. Overall, over 41 million people worldwide are now at risk of falling into famine or famine-like conditions unless they receive immediate life and lively, uh, livelihood-saving assistance. Okay, so that's just out of a few months ago, uh, a report that came out. So as populations increase, and particularly in areas where, of course, food shortages are, are at critical levels, so famines are increasing. Uh, and increasingly um, uh, affecting the population of the world. Now, coupled with COVID-19, with poor growing seasons and increasingly poor situations in many of these um, areas that are worst hit, uh, really, we've got a, a worldwide problem that we can't ignore. 41 million people on the cusp of famine-like conditions characterised by widespread starvation and death. And that's not counting the myriad of other countries and people who are living well below a poverty line where, and are severely limited in their access to adequate food and water supplies. Then on top of all of that, you've got climate change, you've got pandemic conditions, you've got instability in governing bodies, you've got conflicts between nations and within nations, and all of these are exacerbating this particular issue. So you can see how there's perplexity, how there's real trouble, there's real strife in the earth um, today, and the solutions are fast running out. Okay, pestilences. Won't spend a lot of time on this one. The TV news, the radio bulletins, the newspapers, they're absolutely full of reports on uh, the unfolding COVID-19 pandemic, not only in Australia, of course, but from across the world. But Jesus didn't say pestilence, he said pestilences, meaning that there's uh, a multiple, um, well, there's a multiplicity of pandemics and epidemics that would characterise or would be seen in the lead up to his return to the earth. So apart from COVID-19, um, 
Yep, the, the list is up there. Uh, we've seen really a long list of significant pestilences in the past 122 years. So I went back to 1899 um, to what is often talked about, so a cholera pandemic there in 1899, Spanish flu, of course, of 1918, and then the Asian flu pandemic from 1957 and onwards from there. So you, you can see that list that's on there. I just want to uh, highlight, though, of the 14 on the screen there, the 14 major outbreaks, uh, epidemics or pandemics that have affected parts of um, or, or the whole of the globe in the past 120 years, 12 of those 14 have occurred since 1948. And the, uh, which, of course, we noted earlier was the time of the restoration of Israel to control over the, the city of Jerusalem again. Uh, sorry, of Israel as a nation in the earth again. Since this time, there's been a significant rise in these events. And the closer we get to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, the more frequent and the more intense these events are becoming. Since the year 2000, which is pretty recent times really for us all, eight of those 14 significant events have occurred. So we can certainly see that there's a ramping up in the frequency and the intensity of these, uh, these pestilences, as Jesus said, there would be. Now, getting towards the end here, what else does Jesus tell us will occur as a sign or signs of his return? And he comes to towards the end of the chapter here uh, in verse 29, and he spoke to them a parable. Behold, the fig tree and all the trees, when they now shoot forth, ye see and know of your own selves that summer is now nigh at hand. So likewise, okay, so with that in mind, so likewise ye, when ye see these things that he's just been talking about come to pass, know ye that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. It's close. Okay, so that's what Jesus is saying. Okay, let's just break this uh, parable down very quickly here. The fig tree and all the trees. Now, again, in the Bible, the fig tree is often used as a symbol for the nation of Israel. Uh, there's some quotes there that, uh, that you can compare to. So you can see where the fig tree is used as that symbol of the, the nation of Israel. Well, it would then follow that all the trees would be suggesting other nations as well. So the nation of Israel and other nations in the earth. But what about them? He says, when they shoot forth. So shooting forth um, is really about a new beginning, isn't it? So just as literal trees emerge out of that dormancy of the winter and they start to shoot out new branches in the spring, so Israel would have a new beginning as a nation. Uh, and that was a great sign to us of the nearness of the Lord Jesus Christ's return. And then, of course, as we've mentioned, they were declared a nation, a state again in 1948. Um, but so would many other nations be uh, declared from that point of time on. And so we see uh, it's not just the fig tree that shoots, but it's all the trees that are shooting uh, forth. So since uh, the end of World War II, uh, so of course we're talking since 1945, 
Uh, there's been more than 141 new nations or members added to the United Nations. Okay? So prior to 1945, there were 51 members of the UN. So of the current day's uh, numbers now, 193 members of the UN, 73% of those members have come into existence since 1945. So in a very short period of time, there's been a, a very significant amount of shooting forth, as Jesus says, of, of the formation of new nations that have occurred since um, the, the establishment of the, uh, the nation of Israel again from 1948, or just prior to that in 1945, the end of the, the Second World War. So it's plainly obvious that this sign has been happening right in front of our eyes um, in our own times. So Jesus then continues, Ye see and know of your own selves that summer is now nigh at hand. And Jesus then shows that this parable and the events of it are doing exactly what the signs are meant to do. They're communicating to those of us who read it with understanding that the kingdom of God on this earth is imminent. In verse 31, So likewise ye, when ye see these things come to pass, know ye that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. And then to, if you like, to confirm just how near, Jesus says that this generation, okay, so this generation, the generation who's witnessing the, uh, the uh, shooting forth of the fig tree and, and the, all the trees, um, uh, who, those who have seen those events of 1948 unfolding and onwards from there, shall not pass away till all be fulfilled, till all be fulfilled. Okay, so members of this generation, um, though advancing in age, uh, are still alive today. People who have witnessed those events are still alive today. A person born in 1948 will have turned 73 uh, through uh, the year 2021. So what of a, a, a lifetime, what of a lifespan, if you like, in our days? What, what is a life expectancy? Well, the current figures, and this is making an average across the nations of the world, the current figure for life expectancy across the world, regardless of age, is 72.81 years of age. Okay, so we're 73 years now since the, the birth of uh, the, the nation of Israel again and the shooting forth of all those, uh, those new nations. We don't know the day and we don't know the hour of the return of Jesus Christ. But what we do know is that based on what the Lord Jesus Christ has told us here, that we have, uh, what we've just seen is that the days before his return are quickly running out. And we would expect that he's going to return very soon. Now, to finish off with, the Lord Jesus Christ provides a little bit of instruction, a little bit of what we call exhortation. At the end of the chapter, he makes it very clear to us of what the importance of these signs are. And, it, and it's vital uh, to, to take away the understanding that um, that what we uh, that we believe in the Bible um, and what it so clearly promises. We can't you know, if we can see these signs happening in the earth now, we can't just sit back and say, I oh, will wait and see then if Jesus does return and then say, oh, okay, well, now I believe it. 
Okay? What the Lord Jesus Christ is saying is when you begin to see these things come to pass. So what he's saying is that when he comes back to the earth, he comes back to the earth to save those who already believe that he's coming back to the earth. Not to give reasons for faith for those who see the clear evidence, the signs around them, but don't have the inclination to respond to the things of God before he comes. So the signs are only important if they're effective in drawing our attention to how we are personally living now and, and what we put our energy and our effort into in terms of furthering the purpose of God uh, in the earth. At the end of the chapter, as I've said, Jesus focuses the, the attention of the prophecy towards the outcomes of his return on those who are listening to his words, not only uh, when he spoke them, but for us in the hall tonight as well. They're just as applicable, just as relevant. See, there is a, a period of time when, when the Lord Jesus Christ will call each of us to give an account of how we spent our lives uh, on the eve of his return. And so his, his warning or his exhortation to us, perhaps his encouragement to us, is uh, to think about the following uh, words. So if I put together Matthew 24, Mark 13 and Luke 11, we see that his message to us right at the end is, take heed, be not led astray, be not troubled, take heed to yourselves, preach the gospel, don't be anxious, endure to the end, Flee, pray, believe, not false prophets. Again, take heed, look up, lift up your heads. Take heed to yourselves, watch, be ready. So these are all points of instruction, aren't they? They're, they're telling us, sitting here in the room tonight, that there's action that is required from us if we believe in these things, if we see these signs occurring. The apostles uh, of Jesus gave, and there's many examples of this, but they gave the, the same message to the believers after the Lord Jesus Christ had ascended to heaven and they were working amongst the nations preaching the gospel. Uh, in the second of Peter, Peter says, What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation? Which is an old way of saying in the way that you live, in your way of life uh, and godliness. Be diligent that you may be found of him, the Lord Jesus Christ, at his return, in peace, without spot and blameless. Also in Titus chapter 2, 12 to 13, Titus says there, denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously and godly in this present world, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Okay, so, so again, exhortations or encouragement to be active now to be prepared for the return of Jesus Christ to the earth. So in conclusion, the signs are clear. 1948 is 73 years ago now. People who witnessed these events are starting to diminish. Jesus was very clear in his teaching that when we see these things begin to come to pass, then the redemption of those who follow him in truth is very near. The signs of our times are all around us. But Jesus' words of guidance and warning are just as clear and perhaps more so to us. The question for us all to answer is, what are we going to do 
to make ourselves ready now in preparation for his sure return.